Praise the Lord. Amen. It's good to see the family of faith this morning. Amen. Why don't you just give your neighbor a high five? Say, it's good to see you. It's good to see you. Amen. You could be anywhere, <laughs> but you are in the house of the Lord. No greater place to be than in the house of God. I look around, I see a lot of happy faces. I see some people who look a little troubled this morning. I pray that the Spirit of God will take that trouble off of your face and that we'll learn to put that at the very feet of Jesus. God is going to do something awesome today. How many is ready for God to do something incredible today? He's going to do it. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. I, I'm telling you, God is going to do something incredible in His house today. We are a church after the glory of God. Amen. We want to see the purposes of God manifested here at our church. And so you are in the right place. Amen. If you came in today and you're needing God to move purposefully, if you're needing God to move supernaturally, if you're needing the help of God in any place in your life, you are in the right place. We are a church full of the glory and power of God. Amen. So I look around. I see a lot of people here today and I see you got ready, got dressed up. You look nice. Amen. And you put on your makeup and did your eyelashes. I see a lot of a lot of long eyelashes today on the ladies. Somebody say hallelujah. Amen. We, we're not going to ask how they got so long. We just know they're long. And the ladies look beautiful. And the guys are looking sharp. But you know what? We dressed up, right? We got all ready and went through all the work and effort of getting to church. Why not make the time worth it? Amen. So listen, for the next 30 minutes, 40 minutes, we're going to hear the Lord. And so I pray that in all our readiness and all our togetherness, that, that in spite of all that we may be going through and the difficulties we might be facing, that we just hear the voice of the Lord. Amen. Let God's voice enter in. Let, let the word of the Lord have a fresh encounter with you today. Amen. Are you ready? Okay, I'm going to have you to stand as we do. It's customary here at Harvest Point Church that we stand for the reading of the word of the Lord. I'm going to ask you to turn your Bibles to St. John uh, chapter 12. I'm going to read a particular portion of scripture here most of you are familiar with this particular passage found out of saint john chapter 12 i'll read verses 1 all the way through verse 8 as we are in our new series our our august series which is entitled what's up what's up what's up what's up and last sunday we had an awesome time as we got into uh the conversations pertaining to uh the church amen and we got a fresh revelation a new revelation of what the church really is amen how many were here last sunday and you heard that message what's up about the church amen what a what a wonderful word that was for the house of the lord last sunday today we're talking about service or serving god and i pray that you'll allow me to minister to those of you who desire to serve the lord i would pray that everybody here should have a desire to serve god I pray that everybody here, if the Spirit of God lives in you, that you would have a desire to serve God. How many today say, Preacher, I want to serve the Lord? I'm going to give you a fresh look at what it is to serve God, and I'm going to use a very special lady to do that. Her name is Mary. This is the sister of Lazarus. Many of you know who Lazarus is. This is found in St. John chapter 12. I'll read verse 1 through 8, and then we'll get into this message entitled, What's Up? Serving God. It begins here. St. John chapter 11, I mean, pardon me, chapter 12, 
Beginning at verse 1, I am reading from the King James Version of my Bible. And it begins like this. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead, there they made him a supper. And Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the whole house, the entire house, was filled with odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon, which should betray him, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. And then Jesus said, let her alone against the day of my burying has she kept this for the poor always ye have with you but me ye have not always y'all ready to get into the word of God today we're gonna step into some things that I hope it be administration to you will you pray with me everybody come into the affirmation of prayer we'll just set aside all the things and cares the duties of the world just so we can get along with God for the next 30 40 minutes let's pray that together father we leave all the duties and cares of life we separate ourselves from the duties of home, things that are left undone. We get away from all the clamor of the house, televisions, radios, cell phones, crying babies, things, stuff. And we enter into your house, a house that is a demonstration of your power, your beauty, your glory. And we come and we, we sit ourselves down, we sit at your feet. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you will deliver to us words that are concise. Words that will cut right into the situation. Words that will have impact in our lives. The Father, today we won't leave the way we entered in. But that Father, today we'll leave with the fruit of the business of God. And we pray that the word that's planted in our heart will yield back into our bosom, back into our homes, back into our labor a hundred times that which was sown. And we pray that here today. Holy Spirit, only you can do it. And we wait on you and we, we trust in you. Have your way with us today. Move our minds. Stir our spirits. Revive us again, Holy Spirit. Bring us to a fresh revelation of what it is to serve the Almighty. And we pray that today in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Amen. Listen, before you see it, go find somebody and just simply look at them and tell them, what's up? What's up? Just give them a hug. Love them in the Lord. Ask them, what's up, man? What's up? What's up, sister? What's up, my brother? What's up? Serving the Lord. Amen. What's up in serving 
the Lord. What's up in serving the Lord? So good to see uh, so many guests and friends, and members alike. Amen. Blessings as we get into the house of the Lord. It, t- today we will take a few moments immediately following our altar service to pray for our kids. We know we got a lot of kids going back to school and we just want to begin the process of blessing our children. We'll do it this Sunday and next. So if uh, you, your kids aren't here today or maybe they, for whatever reason, weren't able to attend service, we're going to be blessing kids throughout the month of August blessing them as they go back into the public school or private school environments we're believing for God to bless your children take them to the top amen that they might be the cream of the crop somebody say hallelujah come on somebody amen God is awesome Jesus tells us a uniqueness about God that I believe oftentimes in the church it is overlooked. In fact, many times it's underestimated. Jesus says that the Father is a spirit. I'll repeat that one more time because... That might have missed your understanding. I will say it to you one more time. Your father, the God in heaven, is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In other words, Jesus has given an expression to the nature of God that your father in heaven is supernatural. I'll repeat that one more time. It seemed like it fell on dead ears. I'll say it again. Your father in heaven is not natural, but supernatural. That's why the natural mind cannot perceive God. In fact, could I say to you, the carnal mind is enmity towards God. Because in order to comprehend God, to know God, you have to understand the nature of God, which is supernatural. I've often said this to the church. Do you know that your salvation was supernatural? We live in a culture today where salvation is sometimes nothing more than a prayer that a person might repeat. And although there's, there's substance in the prayer, the reality is that when you were saved, something supernatural happened to you. You are a miracle of God if you are saved. Somebody say Hallelujah. Well, you give your neighbor a high five and say, baby, you're a miracle. You're a miracle because you were reborn. Not in a natural birth, but catch this, in a spiritual birth. In other words, in a supernatural birth. You don't think the same like you used to. You don't act the same like you used to. You got a, you got a new way of thinking. You got a new way of seeing. You are supernatural. Well, you tap yourself and say, I'm supernatural. There's a supernatural spirit that lives inside of you. Salvation is a supernatural act of God. You have, as the Bible records, has been born again. (laughs) You are a new creature. 
Stop for a moment and fathom just how wonderful the idea is that we begin to perceive that God is supernatural. Think, think of the luxury that you have. Think of the power. Think of the ability that you have because God by nature is supernatural. You become a child of God, a son, a daughter of God to a God who is supernatural. The capacity to know that when things are impossible, it becomes possible with God because God is supernatural. Will you shout out God is supernatural? I say this to you today because I just want you to understand that the culmination of the work of God, well, the Bible says, I'm being confident in this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you shall perform it. That work is supernatural. I, I, I say that because I want to ground you in the idea that God is supernatural. He's supernatural. Could I suggest to you that even the business of God is supernatural? That God doesn't do anything in a natural parameter. It's always in his nature, which is a supernatural parameter. God is always working supernaturally. That's the only way he can work. The business of God is supernatural. Some of you know the story. This is, this is found in St. Luke chapter 2. How many of you know that Mary and Joseph lost Jesus? The Bible says that they came in for Passover and they sojourned a couple of days and they went around the band of people that were there looking for Jesus and he was missing. And the Bible says that when we went back to Jerusalem, they were searching for him for three days. They tried to find the Lord and finally somebody said, you ought to go check the church. I mean, he is a supernatural baby. And the Bible says that, that, that when they went to the church, they found Jesus there talking with scholars and philosophers and rabbis discussing the word of God. And when they went to Jesus, Mary is somewhat upset at the fact that, she had, that, that Jesus had, that should have been with the crowd but wasn't there. She tried to reprimand the Lord. And, and, and she said, didn't you know that we've been three days looking for you? And Jesus says, how is it that you sought me? Didn't you know that I would be about my father's business? You say, well, what was Jesus doing? Jesus was understanding, philosophizing, comprehending who God was and is and will be. Jesus was taking the time to have a knowledge of God. The Bible says, Jesus says this, that the knowledge of God is eternal life, supernatural life. Do you know today that Jesus promises to the believer that you would have supernatural life, eternal life? How many know the promise is eternal life? Baby, listen, if you don't got that, you're not in the kingdom yet. You're supposed to have supernatural life, ability, strength, power. This is, what, this is what Paul said. Listen, I didn't come to deliver to you men's wisdom, but the wisdom of God, which stands in the wisdom of the Spirit of God, which produces in you the power of God. Somebody shout out power. power. Listen, if you ain't got power, you're not doing the business yet. It is the prophet Isaiah who gives to the house of Israel the first inclination of what it is to serve God. Because to serve God is to understand and comprehend that when God moves, he moves supernaturally. 
And this is why I believe so few people are involved in the business of God because we're too busy doing our own business rather than God's. And it's so easy in our lives to get involved in all the things that we do absent of the ability of God. And if you look back at your life, all the things that you're struggling with now, the things you put your hands to. Touch your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. That frown on your face isn't the frown that God put on. That's a frown you put on your own face for the things that you try to do absent of God's ability. Do you know that God can do it better than you? <laughs> Let me say that one more time. God can do it better than you can do it. You say, well, how do you know that? Because he's supernatural. Check this out. So the prophet Isaiah gives to the nation of Israel the first inclination of what it is to serve God. Very popular verse. In fact, you can go there. You can open Bible if you want to know how to serve the Lord. Because I've come to talk to you about how do I serve God. What, what is it to say, I'm a servant of the Lord? Here's the first inclination of that service. It's simply this. Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 40. Y'all know this. Isaiah 40. I'll begin reading here. In fact, let me just turn my Bible over there. Some of you should have this already memorized. It's a very popular verse in all of Christian. Isaiah 40. I'll read the last couple verses in here. Uh, I believe they're already embedded in my spirit because these are things that should be embedded in yours if you're a servant and labor of the Lord. Verse 28, you see that? Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? The everlasting God. The Lord. The creator of the ends of the earth fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. Let me say it one more time. He giveth power. Somebody say power. He giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Are you there? Youths shall utterly faint and be weary. And young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord. <laughs> Somebody say wait. I, I mean, I don't know another way to explain it, but you know, when you wait on God, you know, you're just, you're just waiting on God. How can you serve God if you don't know what he's ordered? How can you give to God what God really wants if you don't know his heart, if you don't know his mind, if you don't know his will? You see, those that wait upon the Lord. The Bible says he shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Waiting on God. Waiting on the Lord. Lord, what do you want? What's in your heart? What do you need me to do? Is what the servant of God is after. The servant knows to wait on God. Because only God can do it right. How many people are waiting on God is the question. How many people are believing that only God can do it? 
Or, or do you perceive that, 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 that in your humanistic way of seeing God, that you perceive that if you do your part, God will do his? That's a lie from hell. God doesn't need your part. <laughs> well, you touch your neighbor and say, God don't need your part, man, please. We don't need your half in the matter. God said, I do it and I alone do it because I'm jealous for my glory. And if I'm going to be involved in any part of your life, just know who I am. I'm a jealous God, and I will not give my glory to anyone else but myself. God is jealous about his glory. He says he wants to do it. What a wonderful thing to know that God wants to do it. Will you give your neighbor a high five and just say, God wants to do it? No, better yet, why don't you get up and go find somebody, give him a hug, and why don't you tell him right now, God wants to do it. Just get up right now, because I can already tell some of y'all, uh, you're not comprehending what I'm saying. Just go give somebody a hug, give them a, uh, embrace them and say, hey, guess what? God wants to do it. God, God wants to do it. God wants to do it. God's business to do it. It's the Father's business to do it. This is the business of God to do it. It's his desire to do it. It's his will to do it. But most of us are not even in the disposition that God will do it. Much less can he do it. How many servants are in the house of the Lord today? How, how many people are in, are in this sanctuary who are simply waiting on God? Or, or, or is, has our life become a, j, just, a, just a bundle of things to do? Tasks and chores and life and, and, and doing this and doing that with no expectancy of the hand of God in any related matter in your life. Has your life become so encumbered with your own ability rather than the ability of God? And that's why I believe that when most Christians come to church, they're physically tired. Emotionally upset. Suffering from all the pressures and conditions of life. Why? Because we're not servants yet. We don't know what it is to serve God. The precondition of the servant is that he is simply Waiting on God. God, what do you want? What is it that you need, God? Here I am. Use me. Most people are not in that precondition because remember, when God uses you, he's going to use you the only way he knows how to use you, and that is supernaturally. Most people have just exercised themselves out of the supernatural agency of God, out of his power. You just want God to move kind of in your own kind of way. God, have you ever thought about doing it this way? Hey, God, I got a suggestion. If, if you'll do it this way, this, that, and the other, and, 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 and really, Father, I've thought it through, and I think you ought to go my way. When God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. As heaven is far above the earth, so are my thoughts and my ways above yours. God's not going to do it your way. Oh, uh, somebody. Well, you look at your neighbor right now and just tell him, God's not going to do it your way. So you better quit tripping. There's always a religious attitude in the church. 
And, and, and God sends somebody like myself to get you out of your religious temperament so that you might get in relationship with God. Because listen, I've come in here, my prayer is that, Lord, we need laborers. We need laborers. In fact, will you do me this favor? Uh, just real fast, St. Matthew, if I get this right, St. Matthew 9, put your Bible ribbon there because I'm going to come back and I'm going to give you something out of St. Matthew 9 because that's my prayer. Lord, we need laborers. We need servants in the church. And most of the time when we talk about servitude, you're already thinking about, yeah, 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 I, I come, I help clean, or, or, or I'm part of the kids' crew, or, or I help teach with the youth, or I'm part of this, or I'm part of that, and I come, I'm a greeter, I help this and that. And we start thinking of all the things we do versus what God does. Now, I'm not here saying that what you're doing, it should always be full of the ability of God. Is what you're doing in the house of the Lord a, a, an expression of the ability of God in your life? Or is it just you being you? Friend, be careful. Because you might find that when you present your works before God, they're going to be consumed by fire. So important that whatever we do, we're doing out of the ability of God. And everything that we're doing, even to the meaningless of tasks, we're doing out of the ability of God. And I'm going to prove that here in just a minute. Just keep your Bible, St. Matthew 9. I'll go back and get something there. I'm not going to get it now. I'm going to give it to you a little later, but check this out. Everybody knows the story. I'm going to get rid of this religious spirit. Watch this. Everybody knows the story of the raising of Lazarus. This is the background story to the text that I just read you. The story of Mary taking that spikenard and anointing the feet of Jesus. This, but there's a background story. Watch this. So the Bible tells me that of all of the miracles that Jesus performed, one of the greatest miracles that Jesus performed was the rising of Lazarus. Uh, the Bible tells me that Jesus was in another place. They sent a messenger to Jesus to tell him the one to whom you love is sick. But by the time the messenger got to Jesus, Lazarus was already dead. Somebody say dead. I like to tell the church this, and I like to tell people this, that the expertise of God is in dead time. Let me say that one more time. The expertise of the Father applies to dead time. This is when nothing can be done unless God does it. God specializes in dead time. This is a time in people's life where they know that, that, that this thing is far gone. There's, there's nothing I can do. I can't intervene. Uh, if God doesn't do it, it won't be done. That is the time where God said, I will show up. I will appear in dead time. Dead time. Dead time. You see, when they sent the messenger, Jesus already knew that Lazarus was dead. So Jesus said, I'm just going to tarry. I'm going to make them wait. Because it's dead time. God loves dead time. It's the time that it takes for you to give up. See, most of you are on your time. God will produce dead time. There will be a time in your life where something's going to happen to you such that you won't have the ability, you won't have the money in the bank, you won't know the right doctor, you won't have the right attorney, you're going to be all by yourself. You won't have no place to go but to get on your knees and look up to God. And God said, when you hit that dead time, that's when you're going to see exactly who I am. 
the Bible says that when, when that messenger came, Jesus said, I'm going to tarry two more days to the intent that those people who see me will believe on me. The Bible says that when Jesus chose to appear, he said, I'm going. He says, go back. I'm going back to Jerusalem. The disciples said, why? He said, I'm going to go raise up Lazarus from his sleep. He said, well, Lord, if he sleeps, that's good. That means he'll get well. He says, listen, I'm telling you the truth. That man is dead. You see, I'm going for your sake. Because even the disciples didn't believe. The Bible says, now watch this, and I'm going to show you the image of the church. The Bible says that when Jesus approached the town of Bethany, Martha saw him coming. Martha ran out to Jesus and said this to Jesus. Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Isn't that the temperament of the church right now? Oh, Lord, if you had done this, and where were you when this was going on? And how come you didn't help us over here? And I mean, where were you? You're supposed to be a God of goodness. Where were you? This is the temperament and the aptitude of the current church, our, 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 our culture field church that knows that God is a God of love. We just don't believe that God will act in love towards us. And so she says, well, where are you? And then Jesus says this. Your brother will rise again. You would have thought Martha would have got excited at the news that, that her brother would rise again, but she got back into her religious spirit. And she said, yeah, he'll rise again. And the sweet by and by over yonder, sweet Beulah land in the resurrection of the dead. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection. I am the life. And any man that were dead, if he believe on me, yet shall he live. You see, any man that believeth on me and trust in me will have eternal life. He says, believest thou this? And you know what she said? Yes, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, and simply walked away. That's as far as we go. We have a knowledge of the ability of God. We just don't pursue the glory of God. You know, God wants to do something this morning. Uh, God, God wants to step in. God wants to show His glory. That's, that's the business of God. And yet so many people in their religious spirit fall right back into that religious temperament. Oh, God, you know, God, you know, it's a God's will. There just wasn't any servants. Nobody that was waiting. You see, here it is, they're praying, and then God sends the servant, but nobody's waiting for the reply of God to be supernatural. Everybody is in the natural. Nobody is waiting on the supernatural work of God. Just as a lot of people come to church, we come, and I don't know for you if it's some religious obligation or maybe it makes your conscience feel better, and we come to church and we scratch it off and say, listen, I went to church on Sunday morning, I gave $23 in the offering plate, I said hello to five brothers and got in my car, I've done my duty. You're just not a servant yet. A servant comes through the doors waiting on God. God, what do you want me to do for you this morning? I'm waiting on you, waiting on you. 
that you might be you. The Bible says that when Jesus got in a little closer, Martha went to tell Mary, her sister, that Jesus had appeared. Jesus was there. And so Mary runs to Jesus, except this time she falls at his feet. But she has the same reply. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And she says it at the feet of Jesus. The Bible says he saw her weeping. He saw all the people, the Jews, those that were there for Lazarus weeping. And, and the Bible says, and Jesus wept. He, he's crying. I, I, I perceive that his tears are because nobody is expecting God to do anything about the situation. Some of you might weep, parents, if your kids were in some dire strait, some situation, and they never came and asked you for help. You ever see some people, you know, you wonder, well, where's their family? Anybody ever seen people going through a situation and your, your, your next question, man, where's their family? I mean, if their family knew that they were in that position, their family would run to rescue them. And how is it that we don't see God? We say we love God and we say God loves us. We just don't expect God to rescue us. It's an anomaly. It's, it's something that's happening in the church because there's not enough servants in the house of God to prove otherwise. There's just not enough laborers that is producing the glory of God so that somebody else might see the glory and want to step into the beautifulness of God. So, so Jesus says this. They just need to see the beauty. They just need to see the beauty of God. So, so the Bible says Jesus wept. And then he said, where have you laid him? And they said, he's over there. He's, he's, he's entombed. And so when Jesus got before the tomb, he simply said, roll the, roll the stone back. And it's getting real, isn't it? Now it's getting real. You, you, you think everybody would have just got around to see what was going to happen. Uh, but no, Martha steps in, Lord. Hold on a second. You see, if you roll the stone back, it's going to stink. He's been dead four days. And Jesus says, didn't I tell you that if thou canst believe, listen, listen, hear this, that you would see the glory Didn't I tell you that if you could believe that you would see the glory of God? Friend, where are the people that are saying in the house of the Lord, roll the stone back. Let the glory of God come. Friend, I'm telling you what we have here is not God's glory yet. Revival happens because people want to see the realness, the glory, the beautifulness, the goodness of God unveiled on earth. Is not this the prayer? Father, your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. Where are the servants? Man, where are they? There's got to be a servant in here somewhere. There's got to be somebody here that's saying, you know what, preacher? I've been coming to church my whole life, and you know what? I'm getting tired of what I'm seeing. 
Listen, do you realize that the supernatural of God is bigger than community? Is bigger than fellowship? Is bigger than a building? You're there, think Matthew 9. So you won't think I'm tripping. A lot of people come to church and you think, you know, pastors painting a tapestry that nobody can measure up into. But friend, I'm here to tell you, you're supernatural. The Spirit of God lives inside of you. Now, if what I'm telling to you isn't making sense, it's probably because the Spirit of God doesn't dwell in you and you're not a child of God. But the people that have the Spirit of God inside of them, what I'm saying to you is lining up with your spirit. And you're saying, you're right, preacher. Something is absent from the house of the Lord. Well, what's absent? The most important glory of God. His beautifulness. His goodness. How many believe that God is good? Listen, listen. David said, surely goodness, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And that I would dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Are you there, St. Matthew chapter 9? Man, I'm preaching a lot better than some of y'all acting. I, I know that. And I know when I'm preaching good because I can feel the Spirit of God inside of me, stirring me and acting upon me. I know God is in the house. I know the Spirit of the Lord is present. The question is, are there any servants here? Is there anybody here that just waiting on somebody to encourage you in the Lord to say, hey, God can do it and God wants to do it and God will use you to do it. All you have to do is wait on God. It's not a big criteria. It's not something that God is asking you to do outside of yourself. He's simply just wait on me. Wait on me. Don't make a move. Wait on me. Isn't it amazing that God says wait on me? That it's God who's going to do it. It's by his strength, by his ability. Isn't that amazing that all God asks you to do is to wait? Man, it's easy to wait. Just wait. Just wait on God. It's not like you're waiting on people who will disappoint you. You're waiting on God who's faithful. Just says, wait, I'll do it for you. I mean, you want to do it? Do it yourself. Go, go, have at it. Get yourself all fumbled up. Get yourself all full of stuff and anxiety and stresses and worries. Because, you know, the devil will put you out there to do it, and he's going to have you posture. You're not even going to be yourself. He's going to turn you upside down. Whereas if you let God do it, there's no burden with what God does. The labor is easy. All we do is wait. God is so faithful. He is so faithful. St. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 begins like this. And Jesus went about all the cities. St. Matthew 9, 35, and villages teaching in their synagogues. And listen, what was he preaching? People don't know. I always say, what was Jesus preaching? You know, how many know Jesus was a preacher? Uh, Jesus wasn't saying, uh, uh, repeat this prayer after me. I, I, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He didn't, that's not what he was preaching. He was preaching the kingdom of God. You say, well, preacher, what's the kingdom of God? That power is here. kingdom of heaven is at hand <laughs> he's preaching repent turn you need a 180 in your life the power of God is here to do what God expresses for it to do it's going to work through the agency of the Holy Spirit notice what he said he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved by, with compassion on them because they fainted 
and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into his harvest. How many see a world that's hurting? I see it. How many see people that need problems, situations, strifes, contentions? People there's all sorts of men. The harvest is ready. We just don't have a labor. Just, just nobody here that wants to serve the Lord. I pray there's at least two servants in here. I pray to God. That there be somebody say, listen, I want to become a servant. I want to wait on God. I want to see God show himself. I want to see the power of God. I want to see the glory of God. I want to see the greatness of God. I want to see the glory of God restored to his house. I want to see it. Because you know if God's going to move, he's going to move through you. God's going to move. He's going to move through you. You've been asking God where he's at. I'm going to ask you where you at. I mean, what's up? You going to stay there this whole time? I mean, what's up with the church? What's up with the servants? I want to inspire you. I want to encourage you. I want to exhort you. What's up with us? We've gone so complacent. Everything is we're working out of the natural and not the supernatural. And I want to remind you, the business of God is 100% supernatural. The story that I read, you go back, St. Luke 12. I, I, I want to give a comparison, and I've got uh, about 10 minutes, and then we're going we're gonna to pray for, for laborers. I pray that somebody here say, you know what, preacher, I want to just start waiting on God. Wouldn't it be nice to take God's order? Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? You, you know, the Bible says, Isaiah says, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. He goes through this marvelous expression of the train of God, a village temple. And, and the Bible says, and when, when, when he saw himself, he says, woe is me. For I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell among a people with unclean lips. But you know what he told the Lord? Here am I. It's the same instruction that Eli gave to Samuel. When you hear the voice of the Lord, all you're supposed to say is, here am I. Use me. I pray that there's probably not enough God seekers to even be in a condition by which they might say, here am I. And I want to inspire you because God sends me. In this word is for anybody who wants it. This word is for anybody who wants to see the change. This word is for anybody who says, you know what, preacher? I want to see the glory of God. I want to see the power of God. I want to see revival happen. I want to see it happen in me, and I want to see it happen in you. You see, what, what, what's happening in, in Mary's life is revival. Re revival is happening in the life of Mary because she saw the glory of God. You, 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 know, you know, this, this Mary and Martha always had this little contention. I don't know if you know the story. St. Luke 10, the Bible says that Jesus came to Lazarus' house to eat. And when he came, you know, I, I would suppose, ladies, that if, if Jesus was to come to your house, you'd start cleaning everything up. You, you pull out the Lysol and the, 
and the fabulosa and all the things you do to clean your house. You, you, you'd make sure the dishes were sanitized and you go through all this business and you'd make sure the vacuums were rugged and the house was clean. See, this was that religious spirit that Martha had. She got so upset because her sister Mary, instead of getting all encumbered and busy about cooking and cleaning and all the things that go on to having Jesus come, she got at the feet of Jesus. Mary was at Jesus' feet. And, and Martha had the spiritual audacity to come tell Jesus, Jesus, will you tell my sister Mary to quit sitting there wasting her time at your feet to come over here and help me cook and clean? I need some help in the kitchen. Jesus Martha, you're... You're encumbered and troubled by many things. But your sister Mary has chosen the better part. And it won't be taken from her. You see, she was, the Bible says, she was attentive to the word of Jesus. The word. You see, when she saw the miracle... This is the woman who just prior said, listen, if you had been here, Jesus, my brother wouldn't have died, but now he's alive. Hold on, the, the laborer came, the messenger came, the worker came and declared, Lazarus, come forth. Now he's alive. And the Bible says that everybody was thronging the house of Lazarus. People wanted to come see the man who had been dead four days. And they wanted to see Jesus. Wanted to Lazarus. And there were so many people there, they decided to have a supper. Mary goes right back to the feet of Jesus because she's in revival. But this time she brings spikenard. The Bible says that she took that spikenard. You read it with me. Judas knew the cost of that spike. 300 pence, more than half a year's wages. Think about what you make. Think about what you make. I don't know what you make. Whatever you make, cut it in half and bring it to the house of God. You willing? You have to think about it? You want to make sure that that was God's will that you do it? You see, when you're, when you're in revival, you don't even ask that question. She saw the glory. She saw the manifested goodness of God. And nothing was too much for God. And she brought that spike. Now, now nobody knew that Jesus was, nobody heard it, that Jesus was about to be crucified. That Jesus was going to the cross and I preached this message before. Can you imagine that as they beat the face of Jesus, that he smelt like spikenard? That when Jesus was being whipped, he could smell the aroma, the fragrance of what he was there for. To manifest the goodness of God. 
to break down the middle wall of partition that kept us from experiencing the glory of God and that aroma was a reminder when they laid his hands out and they pounded nails in his hands he could smell the aroma of his burial because a woman was in revival the Bible says that when she poured it out the whole hell the whole house was filled with that beautiful aroma all it takes is one for everyone else to begin to smell the glory of God it's such an oddity in the Bible and the way that, that, that the Bible's written, that it gives you a pattern. Uh, St. Saint, Saint John 12 is Mary at the feet of Jesus. St. John 13 is Jesus in the upper room getting ready for Passover. You see, he's about to die. Uh, it, it is such a contrast. It is such an antithesis of, of the church and that we see Mary giving to Jesus everything that she has and now Jesus is with the people who should know him the best and while they're in the upper room you know what they're arguing who's the greatest who's done the most who's going to get the right throne next to God himself and you see I've done more than you and I'm I'm greater than you and you weren't there to transfiguration you got Jesus didn't even take you it was just it was just me James John you don't even know nothing about trans you didn't even see the glory you didn't even see Moses and Elijah and they're all arguing about who's going to be the greatest who's going to be the best you, you, you know that's how people start acting in the church when they think that they're laboring for God Rather than God laboring through them. You, you ever notice that, that, that when you really get close to God, God says, husbands, check this out. God, God says this to you. I want you to love your wives through the love that I'm going to impart to you as though Christ was loving the church. Because you know what, guys? When we start loving our wives in our own power, we start, you know, taking record of stuff. Well, man, I'm loving her, but I ain't, I ain't getting no loving back. I mean, I'm loving her, man, but she's always late with dinner. I mean, I'm loving her, man. I'm giving her the best of my love, but all I get is all that yibba yabba. Because, you know, when we're loving out of our own ability, we get selfish. And it happens in the church when we start laboring here and we think that our labor is our labor, that we start praying like this. Well, God, look at all this stuff I've done for you. And I mean, man, Lord, I'm giving you my very best. And, and, I, and you know, God, you got to answer me because look at all the stuff I do for you. A servant doesn't talk like that. A servant says, everything I've done is for the glory of God. God manifested in me, and this is the work of God. This is what God wanted. This is what God did, because all I had to do was wait on God. And, and you see the disciples were there, and they were all arguing, well, who's the greatest? And you know what Jesus does? We, we've read this before, but I want you to see it in chronological order. So then Jesus takes off his clothes, strips himself naked, puts on a loincloth, gets a basin and a pitcher of water, and he starts to wash their feet. Now there's a, there's, a, there's a spiritual picture and Jesus only washing their feet. But I didn't come to talk about that. What I came is to tell you what Jesus said. Listen, I'm giving you an example. 
that whoever is the least among you will be the greatest in the kingdom. Isn't this what Philippians 2 tells us about God? That he himself can't even think, in his mind, comprehend that he could be equal to God, but made himself lower than God, lower than angels, and made himself even lower than men, and that became a servant unto man. But listen, there are things that are happening in here that if you're not a servant of God, you won't even see it. There's some things that we need done in here that you would never do because you think you're too high and mighty to do it. That's beneath my ability. Do, do, do you realize that everything that's happening in this church, every fault that's present is because we don't want to see the glory. We don't want God to manifest that way. And God is saying if you want revival... If Harvest Church wants to be the church that ignites it, if Harvest Point wants to be the place where revival sweeps over this city, it's going to be because we understand that the glory of God is the most preeminent thing that we should be searching after. And we should be humbling ourselves to get in a place to serve the Lord and to serve each other. Somebody say hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. We're simply looking for servants unto the Lord. There is a story, I'll close with this. There's a young lady, this, 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 this young lady, I've always revered her. Because you know, Jesus says in three days I'll rise from the dead. And it just, it just so happens that on the third day, nobody's at the tomb. I mean, I mean, if you were really upset about Jesus being crucified, if you knew he said he'd get up in three days, you'd have been there at the tomb. Just so happens that, well, nobody showed up. All the more proof that it's just a religion, not a relationship. Listen, if I told you as your pastor, listen, if I ever die, when you go to my funeral, just be waiting on me to get up. Would you start service? Would you wait on me to get up? What, what if I told you that? I mean, I know it's ludicrous to think, but, but just think for a moment. If I told you, listen, I got a word from the Lord that when I die, I have the power to pick up my life again. What? You do? Yes. And so when you go to my funeral service, just wait a little while, and I'm going to get up during my funeral service. I'll finish the preaching. What? Huh? Would there be any one of you willing just to test it for a moment and say, you know what, let's wait a minute. Let's wait a minute. He said he's going to get up. At least give, give it a moment. You, you, you know how many people in this church that have gone through an ordeal, a situation, and I told them, just wait on God. But they went out and did their thing. They didn't even give God 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, a day just to set aside to say, God, what do you want? Listen, Jesus says, I have the power to pick it better. Do you know that nobody showed up except for Mary Magdalene? We know her. She's the woman who had seven demons. She was delivered. A supernatural, spiritual deliverance. And that Jesus pointed his finger and told those demons, come out of her. And she was delivered. This is the woman who they say came to Jesus and anointed his feet with tears. You know the story. Jesus was invited to a Pharisee's house by the name of Simon. And while he sat at meat, this woman came. 
And she's weeping and crying. She, she comes crawling to the feet of Jesus. She's weeping over his feet, crying over him and kissing his feet. And with her hair, she drives his feet. And the Pharisee says, man, if Jesus was any kind of prophet, he'd know what kind of woman that is. That's a demonized woman. And he said, Simon, I have something to tell you. There were two credit, there was two debtors. And they came to their creditor. One had owed 50 pence, the other 500. Neither had the ability to pay. So, so the creditor told the debtor, your debt is forgiven. And Jesus asked, to whom do you think, to whom do you think will love him the most? And Simon said, well, I suppose the one to whom was forgiven the most. And Jesus says, you've rightly judged. He says, you see, I entered your house. You didn't even wash my feet. This woman has washed my feet with her tears. You know, it's customary that you anoint me. This woman has anointed my feet with her tears. It's customary that you would embrace me as, as a friend. This woman has not stopped kissing my feet. And he pointed to that woman and says, Woman, thy faith is great. Your sins are forgiven. It's called revival. See, that's what happens when people experience the goodness of God. Now, we all say in here, God is good, but is he really Has, has, is God really good to you? I mean, I mean, we say it, God is good, and we say, yes, God is good all the time. But my question is, have you been more good to yourself than you've been to God? Has the level of our concentration waned so far? Brother and sister, hear me. Pay attention to what I'm telling you. Has your love for God waned so far that you've now become the master of your own destiny? That we've just simply stopped waiting on God. Listen. God has sent me here today to tell you that he's looking for laborers. I'm his recruiter. He gave me a message to share about recruitment. And I'm just looking for laborers. People who say, you know what, preacher? I've done it my way long enough. I, I want God's way now. I've, I've, I've made a mess out of some things and I've come to some decisions in my life that now I can recognize that, man, I need some help and some real help. And, you know, it's OK with me to wait on God, because if I wait on God, then I know God steps in and he does it right. I spend more, more time correcting my mistakes than to let just God do it right the first time. And so, you know what, preacher? I want to be a laborer in the kingdom of God. I want to be part of the supernatural nature of the Lord. I want to be the one who tells somebody, you don't have to see a doctor, let's pray. You don't need an attorney, let's declare God's justice. 
You don't need to be troubled anymore. You don't need to be anxious anymore. You don't need to be worried anymore. Because let me tell you how good God is. And he has sent me here as an agent to deliver the goodness of God right here, right now. Not next week, not tomorrow. For faith is right now. And I'm going to declare a word to you that's going to set you free. And I'm just looking for a labor. You say, well, pastor, that's a bold prayer. Well, listen, I'm praying in the boldness of the supernatural agency of God. I'm believing that God will be everything he said he will be. And I'm going to hold God accountable to every word out of his mouth and he's holding me accountable to every word that's come out of his mouth and I'm going to get at the feet of Jesus I'm going to get that word and I'm going to make a declaration of my generation my God is able and my God can do it and I don't care what you're going through my God is sufficient unto it and my God can help you and my God has ability and he knows how to do it right and all we've got to do is to make a declaration in the house of the Lord to say we want the glory of God back in his house and all the servants of the Lord should shout amen and glory to God amen and glory to God amen and glory to God if you say preacher I want to be a laborer step out of your seat just won't be a laborer don't be scared don't be scared don't let the enemy say man listen man he's talking about supernatural stuff I don't want you to be like Martha oh don't roll the stone back it'll stink in there Come like Mary, bring your spikenard. Let's get at the feet. Let's, let's have revival at Harvest Point Church. Listen, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? I'm looking for servants. I know we do a lot of work in the house, Lord. I'm not telling you not to keep working. I just want you to acknowledge how you work. Are you working out of your ability or God's ability? Are you a teacher, a preacher, a pastor, a laborer, a leader, an elder? What are you? Are, are, are you leading with your own mind or with the mind of God? Are you making decisions out of your own common sense and your own ability? Or are you making decisions because the Spirit of God is speaking to you? It's called revival. You know, I believe a revival can start at any moment. And it starts because somebody says, my God's been good. And not only has he been good, but I've got a testimony. I've got a testimony about what he does, how, I've, how I was changed. How God met me in dire street. God met me in a hospital room. God met me when the doctor said, I don't got no medicine for what you've got. Your disease is too far gone. The stage is beyond any reparation. Listen, has there been anybody here that's ever experienced the goodness of God? If you have, just lift your hand. And why don't you tell them right, why don't you just thank them right now? Why don't you talk about it? Why don't you say, God, I remember the time. I remember the time when I couldn't find a job. And I got down on my knees and I put my hand over my resume and I said, Lord, direct the, this resume. Uh, take it to the right person. Move it into the right desk. Move it through the right channels. Anybody here ever look at an x-ray? The doctor showed you an x-ray. You had spots or stains on your lung or a kidney or an organ. And you just simply laid your hand on the x-ray and you said, In the name of Jesus, I declare healing. You've been having problems with your body and you just reach down with your hand and you hold on to your knee. And you say, My God is faithful. 
Why don't you tell them? Why don't you tell them? Seems like all the doors were closed until you said, Father, open the door. Manifest your glory. <laughs> Father, because when you do, I'm going to let the church know how good you've been. I'm, I'm going to respond like Mary and I'm going to bring my spikener. <laughs> the whole house is going to be full of that aroma. Come on, press in and tell God how good he's been.